Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 172 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you? I'm fine, Joe, but I'm a little bit mad at you. Me? Yeah, you couldn't let me have the consecutive LVAC attendance streak, could you? Oh. You had to go and call in a favor. You couldn't let you couldn't let me have this one, could you? I was editing the show. Uh, it's so funny too because you know we record the same night, but kind of sort of the same time as Brett and DJ do over on We Need Wrestling, and it just goes to show like who gets done first or whatever it is. And the editing time, but like literally as I was editing the show, I got the email from Mantis uh, that the show was canceled and I contacted you to let you know. And then the public tweet went out in between like, I'm like, oh, let me finish up editing or whatever it was. Um, But then when uh, We Need Wrestling came out, it was like literally in real time. So I could like pinpoint when they were recording because when the tweet came out, you know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they record. They start recording at like midnight or something like that. It feels uh-huh. like. Yeah, they're night owls. They they well, like they get together and they watch like six movies, <laughs> uh, record 15 episodes to bank them of Wings on Wings, <laughs> and then they do the weekly We Need Wrestling podcast. Yeah, but going back to the LVAC being uh, postponed slash canceled, like. I'm never going to get this Mark photo with Avery Good. Like, he's going to go and become, like, a, a huge superstar because they're going to hashtag sign Avery Good, and I'm not going to get this photo. He's dodging me, man. Well, I'll so I'll say this. If they sign him, I think that greatly increases your chances because if they don't sign him and then he runs out those 10 matches, you'll never see him again mm-hmm. uh, unless you, uh, well, there's ways that it could work out. <laughs> But if they sign him and then he's still around and kicking, there's still more of a chance of him to show up at like an LVAC or something else for you to go to see. Yeah, I was just figuring like, you know, it'd be one of those AEW access events where I got to right. stand in line for like 5,000 people in front of me. And, you know, I'm willing to do it. It's just not the same as as seeing it at Sokol's, you know? That's true. That's true. No, no new date announced uh, for Sokols, but if you ask me, and no one is, it's probably going to be a while. Mm-hmm. Half the roster wears masks when they wrestle. This isn't fair. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it's a different kind of mask, but I get you. I get you. Uh, so, hey, did you get a chance to listen to uh, the A-Show finals this week? I did. I did. I, I, I said that I would... Finish it out, you know, finish the season and listen to the finales between DeWicky and Tim Taylor. And sure, um, it was a good episode. You know, I'm not a huge fan of that era of wrestling, but I think they made it work. Yeah. The reverse draft that I invented that somehow you get credit for. <laughs> well, I won the first uh, the first ever drafter weight title thing. Uh, again, somebody else capitalizing on like the foundation that I built. I came up with that idea, said, hey, this would be a fun idea for like an episode. And then they're like, let's make it a recurring thing and not pay Adam any residuals from this. Pay any residuals. How much money do you think I got for winning the whole tournament? I got a lot for winning the, I don't know. Uh, right, <laughs> I, have no idea. I have nowhere to go with that. I was going to say I got paid, but God knows the A-show Ain't paying nobody to appear on that thing. 
Well, uh, so I guess what were your thoughts? What were your feelings? Uh, who do you think did the best show or otherwise? Um, honestly, it's one of those things where it went in one ear and went out the other. Like, that's not an offense to them, but it's just so <laughs> many podcasts. Uh, I thought they both did a good job. I think that DeWiki continued on the momentum that he had from his last, like, the Chikara episode. You know, like, he – the course correction that he did of making himself more exciting, uh, he continued with that. And, uh, you know, Tim hasn't gone back to his NPR radio presenting ways, so that's good as well. Um <laughs> I, I voted for Tim, full disclosure, but that was more of a coin flip type deal. Okay. Plus, I think that, God forbid, I ever have to do a program with DeWiki. Ugh, I'd be doing all the heavy lifting there. So I want to have Tim win this thing. <laughs> so <laughs> so if there is ever any legs to, you know, me coming in and taking my title back, uh, I, I do feel like there's unfinished business with Tim. But uh, they both did a very good job. Either one of them is a deserving champion of that sham draft show. So I think, as you mentioned, both did very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you said it's not your wheelhouse, but any sort of wrestling from like 1989 to 2005 is pretty much my wheelhouse, you know? Yeah. Um, so as they're naming off all these people, they're like, uh, oh, they're like, oh, and they made the gentleman's agreement beforehand that they're like, well, we're not going to draft anyone that neither one of us know, you know? Yeah, um, and, and there wasn't there like, oh, who would you like for this next pick? <laughs> uh, I, so I'll be honest with you, I probably would have pulled that card too. Uh, I would if if it was like the reverse draft and it was like this end and this dregs or whatever it was. Um, I feel as though David gave Tim too many good people up front. Um, good quote unquote, right? <laughs> Usable um, people. <laughs> Right. Uh, I'm sad that, and again, David may not even know this, but he's like, oh, I only know this person because they exist. Uh, I only know this person exists because I, I've i heard them mentioned before on uh, Between the Sheets, right? Yeah. And I forget who got drafted, but when they split up the WCW Patriots, um, Firebreaker Chip uh, is the, the originator of the infamous clip from Between That Sheets of how about that ass? Um, and shit, who's the who's the wrestler that he actually is? I can't remember his name right now, but I would have loved to see or hear one of those guys try that. Anyway, uh, so I did have to vote for David because while Tim tried to create an overarching narrative uh, around Terrence Taylor, aka the Taylor Made Man, um, and that was that was ingenious. But the time that time frame of WCW would never attempt anything that coherent in their shows. Mm. Um, their booking, especially like on a one-off pay-per-view like this, would have been a jumbled mess. Where David, I think, went like above and beyond of what WCW would do. Things it's not enough to do a random draw tag team and then follow it up a random draw tag team tournament. And then follow it up with a two-ring battle royal, but also to make every single match in the show a spin-the-wheel-make-the-deal match is, like, the ultimate hubris of off-the-rails, batshit insane WCW. (laughs) This might be the second time that Tim gets defeated by batshit insane WCW. Right. First time by you, and first time, uh, second time here will be by David. Yeah. Well, it's not... 
yet set in stone. What, where are we at on the the polls right now? Obviously, we have until Monday for the the close there of the polls. Uh, it says three days left in the poll. Tim is currently in the lead, but it is still close. Um, Tim's got fifty six point five percent. David's got forty three point five. But like I said, there's still like three days left. So, you know, if you listen to this, go check that out. Um, go listen, make your decision and, uh, you know, you'll figure it out from there. Yep. Give it a shot before they cancel the show. I mean, go on hiatus for sure. (laughs) Uh, so let's get into an almost collapsible segment this week. And now at odds with wrestling presents this day in wrestling history. So there was a um a little like hiccup in that so I redid uh the conversion on this and now it's working just fine. Okay. Um but I I thought I heard it before. Uh so the the wrestler from the what about that ass is Curtis Thompson, the US male. Oh, thank God. Thank God we yes. cleared that up. A lot of people shouting at the radios when you were couldn't come up with the name there. I Listen, I'm going to get one, at least one DM mm. about it. And then, like, when I mention it two minutes later, they're like, all right, you corrected it. <laughs> so not a ton happened on this day in wrestling history. Um, you know, whatever. But the one thing that I did want to kind of, uh, you know, maybe have as an overarching thing when we do these days and this wrestling history just because where it's going to eventually lead to is uh is 25 years ago today uh we have on our day that we're recording the head-to-head monday nitro versus monday night raw and this is kind of like the beginnings of the attitude era and the beginnings of you know arguably there's many different points where you could say it's like, well, this is where the Attitude Era began, or this is where the Attitude Era began, or this is where the Attitude Era began. And you could also say it's like, okay, this is where the downfall of WCW started. This is where the downfall of WCW started. So we're going to kind of discuss some of those points here, right? Okay. Um. So head-to-head, uh, Raw was taped to start off the new year, and uh, still only an hour. Nitro's two hours, right? Yep. Uh, Nitro is all setting up NWO sold out. Um, There is, if I'm looking at this, no WCW matches, or no NWO matches on the show. Uh, Nitro is still like Glacier versus Bobby Eaton, Conan versus Big Bubba in a Mexican strap match, uh, Regal versus Duggan, uh, Hugh Morris versus Jim Powers, matches like that, you know? Yeah, and there was probably like a half-hour opening interview with the NWO, though, probably, you know? Okay, so there wasn't, but there was like the mid-level thing. Like, I didn't include the promos in my notes, but like there was a ton of NWO promos and segments and stuff like this. Where it's like, oh, we're setting up uh, that it's going to be Hall and Nash defending the tag titles. It's Bischoff coming out and cutting a promo, talking about NWO sold out, how they're going to have the Miss NWO pageant. (laughs) <laughs> and how they could, you know, join it. Uh, Hall and Nash come out and say DDP's not here tonight because he's joined the NWO. Um, you know, nonsense like that, right? Okay. Where Raw, on the other hand, uh, again, it's only an hour, but we have Mankind versus Owen Hart. 
Uh, Furnace and LaFon against Fake Razor and Fake Diesel, who are still a thing. <laughs> uh, you know, they debuted in September, and it's three months, four months, and I'm shocked that they're still on the shows. And then the main event was Vader beating Bret Hart. And there was actually a lot going on with this because you have, like, all these players that are in the main event slot. Like, Sid's the, Sid's the champion, and Bret and Sean are still doing their things. And Austin is still involved with Brett and Sid and Vader are kind of tangentially involved with each other. And uh, Sean's out in commentary for this match. And then backstage, Sid beats up Jose Lothario's son. So Sean leaves and Sean leaving causes a distraction. And then Austin comes out and then the bulldog comes out. And then that allows Vader to pick up the win over Brett. So like they're building something, but they're not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what day the Royal Rumble is, but you know we're like two or three weeks away from talking about the infamous Raw where Austin and Tyson, Tyson and Austin, have the big confrontation. Um, <laughs> and as big as a deal as that is, I think it'll be more interesting to see was what was on the rest of Raw that night. You know? Yeah. And, and I'm looking at this, and this is just completely somewhat unrelated, but. I remember watching ECW television and you know how like you'd have the Joey Styles promos for the uh, whether it be the home video releases or the upcoming weekend shows. And they built up Furnace and LaFon as if they were like the greatest tag team on the planet. But I had never seen them because I feel like their matches never made weekly television, if that makes sense. Um, In ECW were very rare. Yeah. They weren't yeah. like a featured act, you know? So, like, me just hearing the buildup of Furnace and LaFon and just reading about them in After Mags as being this Japanese act, you know, just this act that was big in Japan, and then being, like, super psyched that they were coming to to my promotion, the WWE, and then being like, oh, all right. But I was really excited for them coming in prior to, like, their actual run. Well, that was one of the things that ECW did very well even still up to this point, like pre-pay-per-view, where they would build up acts without you really having to see even a full match of them. Yeah. And then they would make it onto the big stage, and you're just like, really? This is what we're we're talking about here? Okay. <laughs> yeah, they just there's I, there's probably a lot of people like that that like just they were name dropped in ECW, but I never actually saw them perform. So like, I always had it in my mind. Oh, these guys are really good. And then when they showed up somewhere else, WCW, WWE, then I was like, oh, all right, maybe I missed their good run. You know? Hang on this. What other thing? Did I miss this? I couldn't have missed this. Impossible. Inconceivable. And things have been known to happen where I do fuck things up. Okay. Right, fifth and sixth. Okay, that's where we're screwing things up. All right, fair enough. Okay, because I knew there was a big ECW show around this point, which would have been like 96, 97, but it was a, it's like a day before and day after. Anyway. Ah, uh, doesn't count. Nope, doesn't count. Uh, so uh, no more likes and dislikes. I uh, Hey, uh, Adam, what do you want to talk about from the last week in the world of professional wrestling? Yeah, this is very awkward, isn't it? We were talking pre-show, like, what is this segment? Well, I mean, like, it's kind of a spot for likes and dislikes. I think it's just more of a whatever the hell you feel like talking about segment. Or it's a, hey, let's not have a three-hour podcast every week segment, so let's just do one or two things. But, Joe, what I wanted to talk about was uh, a big AEW rematch 
Mm. And this is something that, uh, you know, had a lot of people on the internet talking, a lot of people hoping that this would go an hour. Um, but they decided instead of going an hour that they were just going to bleed all over the place because red equals green. And, uh, of course I am talking about Tay Conte and Anna J versus Penelope Ford and the bunny in a street fight. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this match was something else. I'll yeah, say I that. Mean, you have uh, TJ all dressed in white. Uh, you got Bunny hitting a gusher from the Brass Knucks. Uh, you know, there's a vicious bottle strike in there that uh, Tay Conti took. You have the thumbtack spot. Anna takes a super, actually superplexes the Bunny into thumbtacks. We got a table spot, Queen Slayer with the, the barbed wire wrapped around her arm. We already know who the Deathmatch King is nowadays, but I think we have uh, two Deathmatch Queens after this match. So, uh, shocking to see, uh, but not surprised, I guess would be the best way to say it, to see AEW not, or, or to, to give, um, you know, a precedent was set last March when they had the Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa, like, lights out, whatever the hell the match was called, you know? Yeah. So, you would never see a women's rivalry in WWE be treated like this? where they're allowed to have, like, a street fight match. And I'm not even talking about blood, but just to be having, like, a main event-style blow-off match on TV or something like that. Like, feuds typically don't really end, and this felt like a definitive end for these characters to be interacting. Mm -hmm. But then, like, people are like, oh, they've been feuding for, like, six months, so, like, this will never end, you know? Well, like WWE women's angles or even men's for that matter, can't have a definitive blow off because it feels like the roster, especially on the women's side, is so small uh-huh. that you're just going to end up bumping into each other three months later. You know, even if you do a, you know, you get transferred to another brand, it's not like that means anything, you know, right. you're still going to have Becky and Sasha and Charlotte eventually running into programs with each other. But I feel like for better or worse, there's significantly more people in AEW to to. At least it feels like it, you know? Mm-hmm. But this match was good. Um, I could nitpick it really to death, but I'm not gonna. How dare uh, It's not that sort of show. This isn't that sort of show. Um, and I'm not gonna make a joke and say three stars, everyone tried hard. Because <laughs> um, they actually all busted their asses really well. And I just hope that this means something for all four of them weeks from now, months from now, or whatever it is, that it wasn't just, like, kind of a spectacle throwaway that hopefully they build something off of this. Yeah, like how uh, Thunder Rosa was never to be seen for, like, four months after the her, you know, street fight. Yeah, but that was a lot of the bullshit with her NWA contract, you know? Okay. Um, obviously, we have uh, Rampage this week. We have Battle of the Belts on Saturday. And then, you know, hopefully, like, this upcoming Wednesday will be, like, a fresh slate for some of these characters going forward. Um, But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. And I do want my ringside exclusive Blood and Guts TJ two-pack. A year from now. That's that's <laughs> That feels to be the turnaround time. Yeah. Um, For the time of, like, a character or a look debuting to it coming out. Um, you know, you could say nine months if it's a rush job, but you know, a year from now, um, one day they'll get the turnaround on these things a little bit quicker, but it's not going to be in our lifetime. 
fair enough. They'll be right behind uh, our Super 7 figures, but mm-hmm. that's a story for later, maybe. Certainly is. Uh, so I want to talk about the uh, other rematch that you were teasing uh, for your thing, and that would be uh, Brian Danielson versus Hangman Adam Page. All right. I, I was hoping somebody would talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought this match was really good. Um, arguments, you know, and it's I like both matches. I like the hour drawn. I like this. Um, I'd have to say that this match I liked better. Um, you know, you could say that it was because both guys uh, got color, but that definitely adds to it. But uh, I, I guess where I'm coming, like, you have to see the first match to appreciate the second match. Like you can't watch the second match in a vacuum, but you can watch the first match in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a great job of building up the importance of the time limit and how confident that Brian was that if it goes to the judges, that he was absolutely going to win. Even if two out of the three judges were people in kayfabe that he had feuds and rivalries with and screwed over out of world championships. <laughs> um, and then of course they built up the urgency of hangman page. Like I know I like, I need to finish this. I can't let this go to a draw. You know, I need to beat him in the ring, whether because Danielson can come back and say, it's like, well, you weren't confident um, that the judges would award it to you or the, just the fact of like, he needed to beat Danielson decisively. And I feel as though he did. I bit on that finish. Like when he finally got the, the, the buckshot lariat as they're teasing it and teasing it and teasing it. And Brian's working on the arm, the whole match. And then page finally gets it. And he got Danielson and for the victory, I'm like, I'm like, oh shit, I thought Danielson was going to kick out. I can't believe he didn't kick out. So I was shocked by the finish. Um, and now obviously both guys get to like move on to other things, you know? Yeah. Uh, in kayfabe. And that's great. Um, you know, because Danielson had to play not even subtle, but he had to play heel for this. Um, and now Danielson can kind of go back to like, and that's the thing. It's not like this run of him against page as subtle heel is going to make people not cheer him. All he needs to do is come out against someone who's a strongly defined heel and Daniels will be cheered just as much as he was two months ago. Right. Yeah. I mean, somebody like MJF or something like that, you know, somebody yeah. that can automatically get booze, you know, and um, on the, but- on the real world side of things, um, I hope that Brian gets to work matches with some of these younger guys that are on the come up. I know Punk's gimmick is that, like, I want to work all the young guys. I hope that Brian actually gets a chance to work those young guys just so that they can kind of learn better how to structure matches. Yeah. So I uh, just to kind of take it from the top. I agree with you 100%. I preferred this match way more than the hour long draw. And that's not just because I'm biased against hour-long draws now, but uh, mm. um, I feel like you mentioned that like the psychology of this match was that you had to kind of see the hour-long draw and you see them learning from their mistakes. You know, the first match didn't really give you a buckshot lariat until there was, you know, five seconds left in the match. And then obviously we never got the pin with this match. There was multiple times where hangman was like either propelling himself or about to propel himself over the top to hit the buckshot. And then like, you know, Danielson would just like slink over or later on in the match, he collapses down to his knees and basically misses the clothesline. So I like that, you know, while the match did finish with the buckshot, 
there was still a lot more teases of it during the match, you know, where we didn't get that at all in the first match until the end, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And I think we are conditioned by WWE for these big WrestleMania world title matches that like every finisher is going to be kicked out of five or six times before you hit that ninth F five for the win. And just to see the buckshot lariat have a clean, decisive victory is, is really impressive. And we mentioned this a couple weeks ago, hangman loses nothing by losing to Danielson. But if Danielson won the title, whether it be in the first match or in the second match, that really just shows how hey, oh, hangman can't hang with the top guys and to have it go down the way it went down, I think is the best idea. And I hope they keep Danielson a heel for a little bit. You know, he doesn't have to be a mustache twirling evil heel, but he could be a dick, you know, I'm the best in the world and I know it. And if that hurts your feelings, tough shit, like that's fine. You know, I like that kind of attitude. Right. But yeah, uh, but we'll see, we'll see what happens next. It'll be interesting. And that's another good thing I think about this is that, um, I don't know where either one is going right now you know yeah like i couldn't tell you who either one is going to feud with but i can't think of anything outside of uh brian pillman jr that i'd be like nah. you know what <laughs> i mean like if next week on tv they start a program with like page versus adam cole and they start a program with danielson against luther i'm like eh, that, that that seems about right <laughs> gotta elevate those young guys you know yeah uh yeah i was thinking adam cole for uh for hangman page but he's got his deal with orange cassidy right now and i don't want to rush that you know exactly all right well like i said i don't know how we want to handle this but uh really the only other thing i have in my notes is how that dastardly heel joey janela went and sent uh photos to to the cardonas as a wedding presents uh I don't know. It was late breaking news. I don't know how many people got a chance to see it, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe Chelsea was Joey's before she was Matt's. I don't know. You're going to make me talk about this in public. I am. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'll, I'll let you get the rest of it out of the way. Oh no. I, you know what? The only other thing I was going to say is that, uh, Matt had sworn that he was quitting GCW and, uh, You know, he's a man of his word. I I took him on that, that he was never going to step foot in GCW again. And uh, it it looks like Janela figured out a way to get him to do it, you know, because Matt Cardona announced that he will be appearing at the next couple GCW shows. So coming out of GCW retirement, one time, only time. On paper. (laughs) I'm with you on this. Okay. If you wrote this whole thing out for me and I read it, I'm like, oh, that's funny. I like it. Uh, you know, the gimmick of them aping the whole uh, Macho Man, Miss Elizabeth, Ric Flair thing to build up to WrestleMania 7. I'm with you. I like it. <laughs> but then when I actually have to see it acted out on social media, and I'm using acted very loosely, okay? Um, the little skit where Broski opens up the thing and he yells at Chelsea um both of their acting was embarrassing and if you believe that broski really was gone from gcw um you know then maybe first of all that video that broski released broski's videos that he releases for gcw um over the last six months have all been very bad he had the hot hand leading up to the stuff with nick gage 
and then the post gauge stuff was eh. And then after he lost the title, everything was the whatever town screw job. Uh, the Effie stuff was super uninspiring. And I say poor Double J having to do that, deal with that. I, you know, Double J is a miracle worker, and we'll see how much of a miracle he can come up with in a few months. But uh, I guess like when half your it, half your roster is injured, and you booked the Hammerstein Ballroom, which is like literally like a hundred thousand dollars for them to turn the lights on. <laughs> um, if this is the way that you're going to build to a match of Broski eating up Joey Janela. Um, and, you know, either not giving them or anything or not selling anything. Um, good luck, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, but this, this is, uh, like I said, on paper, great in execution. You guys are really all bad actors. All right. Well, this concludes the inside the wrestling actor studio with Joe Sposto. Joe, every single indie promo is terrible. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, then, like, then indie wrestlers should stop doing promos. All right, th- th- that's fine. Like I-, I would say that yes, I-, I will sit here and comically defend the 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 little skit vignettes is the fact that I realize it's bad, but I feel like it's supposed to be bad. It's supposed to be wink bad because like. I don't think you're supposed to watch that segment and come on that being like, holy shit, Joey Janelle is a, a homewrecker. They just got married three days ago. How could he? Like, you're going to look at that and you're going to be like, oh, it's the Ric Flair thing. This is funny. So, like, I, I don't think there should be an expectation of quality acting. And like I said, on the grand scheme of indie promos, those two are Meryl Streep and friggin' Al Pacino. <laughs> like, because I don't care who you are. I've seen so many promos on Twitter and like, you know, whatever. And it's all dog shit. So I think if you have something that's passable, it's good by comparison. So I think you're just, you're judging them with a, a harsher brush than is necessary. Yeah, I don't know. I, I There's just something about the way Broski kind of handles his business of, like, how all the GCW stuff we're supposed to believe is all a shoot. And, shoot I, and, and I get I give him points for trying, but you've never convinced a single person. <laughs> well, he's convinced me to, to bootleg that stream and watch him beat Janela. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't go to that. I wouldn't go to that show if I got somebody else's comps. <laughs> um. That being said, one last thing, and we can kind of maybe put another button on it here is, uh, hey, it must be a day of the week that ends in Y because there were more World Wrestling Entertainment releases this week. <laughs> um. This time it was a majority of people from uh NXT side. Uh, a lot of the trainers and coaches and so forth, uh, people that have been there literally for nine to ten years in many cases. Um, one of the more fucked up things was I was listening to the Tony Schiavone Conrad podcast, which based on what they were talking about, <clears throat> I could pinpoint them recording post Betty White passing, but pre WWE pay-per-view on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And they're watching the the finger poke of Doom Nitro, and Norman Smiley comes out, and Tony asks Conrad if Norman is still with WWE, and uh, Conrad says that he is, and Tony says, "Oh, that's good." 
Norman will have a job there forever. <laughs> him, and, him and Regal. And I'm just like, oh boy, right? Uh-huh. Um, so I get a lot of people are up in arms over this, and I completely get it. But if if uh, Braun Breaker coming out and destroying the black and gold X before the match on Tuesday wasn't a clear sign that uh, NXT, uh, Triple H's NXT was a failure. The fact that everyone that Triple H hired for the most part was let go. Now, granted, like the fact that Allison Danger was hired three months ago, uprooted her entire family from Las Vegas to Florida, took her kids out of school, she, from going to World Wrestling Entertainment events, allegedly, I'll say, got COVID and missed Christmas with her family and children, only to be released two weeks later for budget cuts, where they delayed her hiring because they told her they were freeing up spots in the budget specifically for her. Um, that's super shitty. Mm-hmm. I uh, saw her, her Twitter thread about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's super shitty. But if... If NXT wasn't dead when it changed to NXT 2.0, the fact that anyone and everyone, for the most part, that was involved with the Triple H era of it is gone, I would not be surprised to see that Triple H gets released this month. Yeah, it almost seems like it's a targeted attack. Like, like yes. Like, he did something to piss off the families, you know, like a mafia speak. And, you know, it's he, one... He took a bunch of Vince's money and tried to run the indies out of business. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. for the most part, he ran a lot of indies out of business. But then AEW started and fucking shoved it all down Triple H's throat, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, it almost I, – I, it's one thing to be like, okay, this was a failed business idea. And, and I'll argue that it wasn't really a failed business idea, just – you know, NXT, when it was at the top of its game, was one of my favorite wrestling programs to watch, you know? Uh, so, like, from a television entertainment standpoint, I don't think it failed. But, like, it's just, a, like, a personal attack. It's, like, anything that has his stink on it, we're going to get rid of. Yes. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, his posters and pictures of him around the PC and around Stanford are getting taken down. Like, it's, it's like they're... They're treating him like they should have treated Velveteen Dream. Like, we need to pretend that this person never happened and let's remove all traces. I was going to make a joke online and say that any of the coaches or whatnot that are still there should start tweeting out how much they dislike Triple H and how they think he's a bad person <laughs> so that they could hopefully keep their jobs. Stay in the good graces. like Right. Ah. Uh... And, and, like, just today, like, maybe an hour or two, they, they released Samoa Joe for the second time. Right. Samoa Joe, who was released by WWE, then Triple H went out of his way to purposely rehire him on his watch, on his own accord. And, again, if that's not the sign, I don't know what is. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we're recording pro- this. I don't know if there's been any more releases. I was told that there is going to be more releases. But mm-hmm. we only got the two today, which was Gabe and Samoan Joe. Um, so I don't know, man. We'll see. Um, and it's like Samoa Joe was, you know, brought back in as like an authority figure and like a the heater of William Regal, and then pretty quickly became the world champion, and then <coughs> got injured, you know, and had to strip the get stripped of the title. Um, so like. What a run that was, you know? 
I don't know, man. And and you know what? A lot of people are like, oh, man, he's going to he's going to have this great run and have all these awesome matches. And like, I don't know, man. Samoan Joe's like a 42 year old man who's pretty beaten up. I think he's got like maybe like five good matches left in him. Well, then I want to see those five outside the E. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Let him have like a Minoru Suzuki type thing where he has like a match in AEW, a match in Impact, a match on a prominent indie, you know? Once against Dom, you know? Oh, there you go. (laughs) I'd be okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? Here's the thing with all those releases, you know, you mentioned like it's comical comical how they're like attacking the legacy of triple h and everything he built but i saw those and i'm so desensitized to it like if we were doing likes and dislikes i would not have put the releases in my dislikes just because it's like there's so many of them you can only get so mad at this company before you're just numb to it you know right but hey that's all i have for the the segment formerly known as likes and dislikes yeah, I got like 16 more things that we could talk about, but we're not going to get into it. Yeah, a nice short show this week, I think, is the plan. Well, uh, let's start then, I guess, with uh, what you're going to assign me for homework next week. All right, Joe. So I think it's time to go a little bit back to normalcy with my assignments. You know, we had the Christmas special with uh, Santa's Little Helper and, you know, there's some free the narratives in there and whatnot. But I, I want to go back to the way I used to assign homework. And no, it's not get a message from Kevin Ford. It, it's Googling what are the worst pay-per-views of all time. And one of the things that came up on my list that I have never seen because it came from the infancy of professional wrestling, Joe. And that is from 1991. Oh, okay. We are going to watch something that is not from my era, as I said at the beginning of the show. And that is Great American Bash 1991. Oh, my goodness. So here's a run. Oh, go ahead. No, no. Does Joe know the card? (laughs) You want to do, uh, you know what? Do I have the music ready? I can always have the music ready. Hang on. While you're doing that. I I want to show off. Are you ready? Yep. Go for it. It's thinking. (laughs) This is going. Sammy Zane's kicking down to the ring. It's Kofi Kingston doing his thing. Ruby Soho. Brian Danielson. No, no, no. Is it? Tell me how many matches are on this event. All right. So according to Wikipedia, the most trusted source of all your 1991 wrestling news, there are 12 matches. (laughs) Although I will say that there is one that says it's a dark match. So it's probably not on the no longer award winning Peacock. Okay. I could do a bunch of them, right? All right. So uh, main event. Well, no, it's not the main event. But let's say uh, for the world title, wink. Uh, Lex Luger versus Barry Windham. Yep. Uh, you've got, uh, for the U.S. title, Sting versus Nikita Koloff in a Russian chain match. Yep. <laughs> you've got two scaffold matches on the show. Uh, one is uh, Beautiful Bobby and PN News against 
uh, Steve Austin and Terry Taylor? Uh, that is correct. Okay. The other one was scheduled to be Arn Anderson and Polly Dangerously against Rick Steiner and Missy Hyatt, but I think they end up just doing a one-on-one. So uh, you're partially right on it. It does say it's a steel cage match, though. Okay, that's a cage match. I thought that was a scaffold match, too. No, so I'll give you the point. Okay. Um. So I know that there's also a... Uh, elimination match where it's the Young Pistols and Dustin Rhodes against the Freebirds and Bad Street. Uh, yep. Okay. Uh, there is now we kind of uh Big Josh versus Black Blood. Uh, yep. Okay. <laughs> You're at six. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll say that's pretty good for just off the top of my head. Like, right. I know there's an Elegante match. Oh damn! Uh, right I know. There is. Huh? I said, damn right there is. <laughs> is it Eligante versus One Man Gang? Uh, that is correct. Okay. Uh, there's a Ron Simmons match. Versus Oz. Okay. Ron, right. So I knew Ron Simmons was versus. I was going to guess Oz, but I wasn't 100% sure. Uh, but I think that's pretty good for, like I said, off the top of my head for one yeah. of the most notoriously bad cards of all time. <laughs> yeah. So you got seven. Oz. Oh, and uh, uh, Ricky Morton versus Robert Gibson. Yep, so 8 out of 12. Okay. All right, so you are missing the Diamond Stud versus Tom Zank. <laughs> the Diamond Stud. Johnny B. Bad versus the Yellow Dog. I knew there was, oh my, okay. All right, so I knew there was a Yellow Dog match on this show. Now, do you know, the, well, of course you know the Yellow Dog is from the A show this past week. I, I, I knew before that, I swear. Okay, <laughs> this is brand new heel Johnny B. Bad stuff. Uh, um, and, uh, let's just say it's Baltimore, it's 1991, and it's a heel Johnny B. Bad, and the crowd is very on his case about one specific thing, and I don't think they edit out those chants on the award-winning World Wrestling Entertainment Network. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, but yeah, I think that's... Uh, so there the might be a trigger warning if you're going to watch yeah. the show along with us. Yeah. And on the pre-show, Junkyard Dog versus Black Bart. That's definitely not on the pay-per-view. All right. So uh, we'll have to track that one down separately. I'll send you the YouTube clip. For the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if that's on... I, I don't know if I'm going to watch the Peacock version or if I'm going to track down like an OG, like VHS rip of that bad boy, you know, for prosperity's sakes. What do you think would be edited other than maybe hopefully the, the crowd during the Johnny B. Bad thing? Would the music be changed significantly? Or? Music would be changed significantly. Like anybody that comes down to like a slam jam song, which would be like Sting, Ron Simmons, Freebirds, Rick Steiner, anyone like that, their music would be edited off. Um, That's really it. I don't think any other content would be taken out. I'm shocked. Like unless... I, the last time that I know of someone who watched that was about a year ago. It's six, uh, let's say six months ago, right? Mm. And they were shocked that those chants were still in the Johnny B. Bad Yellow Dog match. Okay. All right. Now to check it out. Like I said, I never saw this show. Uh, I feel like I picked up WCW maybe six months after this. You know, it was close. Yeah. But, uh, 
it's just right before I came over because I'm reading the Wikipedia listing of this, you know, and uh, just kind of reading about how Ric Flair was originally advertised to be in the main event. And, you know, he got fired and all that fun stuff, which I'm sure we'll talk about next week. Oh, boy, we certainly will. Yeah. All right. So Great American Bash 1991 for next week. I'll be watching that instead of Battle for the Belt live on Saturday, just so you know. (laughs) That's fine. All right, so let's get into some voicemail, huh? All right. Not brought to you by the city of Syracuse. Uh, First call. Hey, Joe. Hey, Adam. This is Dan. Uh, I don't know if there's a question this week, so I thought I would occasionally use the voicemail just to ask Joe a random, like, in-the-weeds Chikara question, since if I want to know about it, somebody else probably does, too. Uh, so on the Cybernetic Horizons last week, one of the matches, the opening one, that uh, was not covered, uh, because it was, you know, the Cybernetic was so fucking long, uh, was Mark Angelosetti versus Soldier Hand. At one point in the match, uh, Mark rips <laughs> the antenna off of Soldier Hand, which kind of becomes a big plot point later in Shakara lore. So I'm just wondering... Um, was anybody mad about that? You know, anything happened? Uh, is that maybe why someone was so cranky during their match later? You know, uh, Jigsaw was right. That's all I'm going to say. Hmm. Um, oh, I didn't get to call last week about likes and dislikes. I like likes and dislikes. I get that like. some people find it repetitive. Uh, I don't really watch that much televised, like AEW. I don't watch any WWE at all. So really, it's just AEW is the only thing that I possibly would watch. Um, and, you know, yeah, sometimes the likes are all, hey, here's the Eddie Kingston match. But that's also a reminder that there's an Eddie Kingston match on TV that I can go watch. And even if I don't go watch it, it's still nice to know because it's fucking Eddie Kingston. That's awesome. He's on TV. Um, yeah, so I guess that's it. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everyone's staying safe. Uh sad that the LDAC wasn't able to run this weekend, but that's really kind of what should be happening at this point. Uh, them, Blitzkrieg Pro, I think it was, who both pulled their shows. Uh, yeah, really nice being uh, good about public safety. Anyway, bye. Okay, so before we get into that, Dan does call right back. Dan again. Uh, sorry, my roommate just walked in, and now dogs are barking. Cool. They're like, why the fuck are you on the phone at 7 in the morning? Because um, I didn't sleep. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, I was really looking forward to going to either LVAC or AIW or something soon, but fucking COVID, man. But yeah, it's great to see LVAC uh, doing a good. Uh, and so yeah, that buy for real this time. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for calling in again, Dan. Uh, good luck with those uh, interview requests. Uh, like I said, you, you squeeze all the usefulness out of my name as you possibly can. And that goes for anyone. That's what I do. Right. <laughs> so uh, Dan brings up, and we didn't watch the match, but in a lot of um, colony matches, they would do a thing where people would, like, work the antenna, Right. Yeah. And like the ants would have to like sell like having their antenna works worked like hurts. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously it's you're 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 grabbing something that's technically not attached to the actual person themselves. 
And as Dan mentioned, one of the antenna comes off and it does become like a plot point later on uh, years down the road. And that's what assists or causes Soldier Ant to like turn evil before he leaves uh, Chikara for whatever reason he left Chikara. Um, I don't think anyone got in trouble or anyone got mad or anything at least was said the day of the show. But I do know that a concerted effort was made to make the masks a little bit more sturdy. That if you were going to do spots like that in a match where you're working a part of a mask, that the mask is made a little bit more durable so it doesn't come off during the course of the match. Okay, makes sense. So yeah. you can, like, he tosses or maybe hang somebody by their head from the antenna, you know? Right, right. You're going to want to make things a little bit more durable if you're going to be fucking around with stuff during the course of the match. Unless it's part of the match, and then you're going to want to gimmick so it comes off. But Mark was one of those guys who was just, like, super strong, didn't realize his own strength, and probably just like, oh, I'll just work it, work it, work it. And then it came off, and I'm like, fuck, we got to figure something out, you know? Yeah. And uh, a little bit mad that Dan didn't ask me about some Chikara backstage information. You know, maybe next time. All right. Next time. Yeah. Next caller. Hey, guys. Kevin here. Um, I There's a lot we could talk about this week. There's a lot that I'm sure you're curious about my thoughts and opinions on. So as, as an expert on the topic, let's talk about Ron Funches and underage girls. No, no, no. Oh, no. no. kidding. Kidding. I just wanted to, I, I imagining Joe like reaching for the mute button on that one. But to be serious for a moment. So this past weekend I was at my local uh independent wrestling show, New York Championship Wrestling, and there was a title match at the end of the night. And once the photographer came out, the ring photographer, based on where she was standing, I went, Oh geez, title's changing tonight. Like I just knew it. And it did. Yesterday, while watching AEW Dynamite, as soon as I saw Jade and Ruby in the ring and Bryce was not the referee, I knew Jade was winning it. So I'm just curious for either of you, if you could think of a moment in wrestling where, based on someone other than the participants in the match, you knew who was going to win the match, um, based on who was there, who wasn't there, their ring positioning, uh, someone even at ringside, whatever it might be, based on something that is outside of the two people wrestling the match, so like Sasha Banks coming out in a bad mood doesn't count, mm-hmm. you knew who's going to win. Hopefully an interesting conversation based off of this phone call, and hopefully a little more classy question from me. Talk to you guys later. Bye. <laughs> I am shocked that he kept it relatively grease-free relatively grace-free. I got a little nervous there at the beginning of the call. Yeah, that Ron Funches thing, that was Saturday. That feels like it was like 20 years ago already. Yeah, I'm so glad that I I, I skim Twitter these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'll, I'll defer most of my time to you, Joe, and I'll just say that like one of the things that just kind of pops into my mind as far as like obvious clues as far as what way a match is going uh, you can even look at the, as he mentioned, the Jade Cargill match this past week when you had Jade's daughter at ringside. Yes. So anytime you have like family members and they're prominently shown on camera, you know, I think that's kind of like a dead giveaway unless you're going to show the family of both. You know, and I get it sometimes, like even if, you know, both sets of family members are in the crowd, you're not maybe they don't want to be shown or whatever. But I always feel like that's a, a dead giveaway that you brought your daughter out to to watch you lose the match. No, you're yeah. going to win the belt, you know, and celebrate. 
Now, uh, I, I'll say the thing with Jade. Like, I knew Jade was winning the tournament when they announced the tournament. Oh, sure. I, I think that was something that we both said was going to happen. Yeah. And it wasn't so much as Bryce being the ref, or not Bryce being the ref, rather, but when they showed the kid beforehand. Like, if they just kind of showed a little restraint and showed the kid afterwards, I think you would have been a little bit better and not telegraphing that one so much. Mm-hmm. Um. I'll say one, and it's not so much like a finish of a match, but more times than not, it's like, oh, something's going to happen in the crowd, right? And I've probably brought them up on the show before. One is a little bit more famous. Um, It's when Pillman makes his debut in ECW. And, like, the lights go out, and he comes, and he's in the ring, and then he attacks that fan and pulls him over the guardrail and stuff. It's mm. a fan that's never been in that front row camera side ever. And it's someone who was like so noticeable because he was like six foot five, super skinny, pale skinned, and had like a fluffy red haired mullet. <laughs> like a worker's you, mullet. <laughs> right. And like you, like there's no way you're missing this guy. Like you're seeing this guy across the building, let alone dead center front row camera side, right? Yeah. So it was like as soon as that guy did like as soon as you saw that guy, you're like angle alert. Something's going on. Right. Mm. Um, And I'll say and this is a little bit more secretive one, a little one, one that they played a little bit more close to the vest. Um, So later that year, they're doing the whole build with Shane Douglas after he had shaken um, uh, or he had injured the pit bulls and Francine turns and goes with him. Um, and there's a match where Pitbull one is at ringside and he's got the, the, the neck brace halo thing on. Um, and it's Shane Douglas versus Pitbull two. And where I was sitting in the crowd, I was, I was on the floor, but I was like third, third row from like the right of where the camera would be. Right. Like if you've ever been to the ECW arena, you listening to this. And, like, you come in, like, not the new ECW arena the way they have you come in, but, like, the old way, like, those doors that you would come in, right? Yeah. And there would kind of be, like, the way the chairs would be set up to, like, a V, and there would be, like, that little bit of an open area there where you would come in. Um, So we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, like, halfway through through the match, a guy comes over, and he just kind of, like, kneels down next to us, right? Mm -hmm. Doesn't want to be noticed, but he needs to be in position. And I'm there with my buddy Brian, and I nudge him, and I look over to the guy, and he looks at him, and he just shrugs his shoulders, and I'm like, he's running into the match. He's going to do something. And he's like, really? I go, this guy just showed up out of nowhere. And, like, he's right here, like, not directly by the guardrail, but close enough. And as the match goes on, Pitbull 1 gets in the gets in the ring, gets up in Shane Douglas's face, and Shane Douglas shakes him in the halo, right? And the crowd goes nuts. Shane Douglas gets out of the ring, and wouldn't you know it, this guy comes over, like, he jumps the rail and goes after Shane Douglas. And you would think if this was real, like, the real security people, not ECW security, would grab this guy, and ECW security grabbed this guy. But it wasn't like a, like, it was it was a more unassuming guy than the six-foot-five redheaded guy, you know? Yeah, it was meant to be like, look at how much the franchise is enraging the fans that we're going to have a fan attack them. Yeah, yeah. And that's always a bad thing when you set things up that you have plant fans jumping wrestlers because that's going to empower other fans to do the same thing who aren't on your payroll, you know? 
Yeah. I mean, hey, that's that was my thing that I did in World Star Wrestling, and look what happened to me. Exactly. <laughs> look where you are now. I know. Oh, but that you know what? That's a good question. I'll I'll re-mention that like on social media, but I'll put this out to the listeners. What's a time in wrestling where you saw something or something was off about a match and it telegraphed the finish or a spot or something, right? Yeah. Uh, I'll be interested to see what our listeners have to think. Very good question this week, Kevin. Always a good question, but especially this week. Next caller. Hello at odds with wrestling. It is the strongest man in all the land. Austin MacArthur here. And, uh, I don't know what to talk about today, except perhaps the match coming up uh, at the Winchester Ether for AIW. We're facing the Vaughn England. And uh, I see you guys defaced our images, but don't worry, I've restored it to its proper state. Anyways, this is a match that means a lot to us. Not because of, you know, trying to win and become a great tag team. No, it's America versus the Great British Empire. That's right. Those union jackers over there think they can just run the world. You know, I remember a time when they owned every nation on the globe and they've been reduced to a small island. And don't think I forgot about the War of 1812. They burned down the White House. That's disrespectful. So come next Thursday, we, bulking season, will be eating and eating everything we can to attain mass and destroy these British fools. And um, perhaps we'll have some fish and chips before that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know uh, what chip, potato chips, laid chips, or oh, they're, they're French fries. That's right. They hate the French so much. I, I don't know. There's not much else to say except USA versus the Empire. Let's get to it. <laughs> Thank you for calling in, Artie, a.k.a. Adam's uh, twin. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he's talking about, like us defacing his, you know, the, the the promo picture. All I did was put my face above his, like over his, and yours over uh, Chuck Stone. Uh, I get, I guess, I could see like that part being defacing, putting your your face over Chuck Stone's. I guess that's where that was a bridge too far, right there. <laughs> I, I never looked better. I'll say. <laughs> Uh, but I will say this, I certainly hope, uh, one, that this match is, uh, or this show is streaming on uh, IWTV next week. I know it goes head-to-head with uh, Wrestler Open, but, you know, Jerry usually streams like 16 things at the same time on certain uh, days and the weekends and so forth like that. But I certainly hope, and you'll be foolish if you don't, that if Artie or Chuck don't get a USA chance started uh, <laughs> during the course of the event... Uh, and hopefully, uh, I, I want one of them to try to get the chicken, chicken, <laughs> chicken chant. Uh, those are my requests. I don't want anyone to leave their feet. I just want you to r- work those two things into the match, guys. <laughs> I, you know what? I agree with all of that. And hopefully, bulking season can win this one for old glory. You know, I, I like to get revenge for that war of 1812. I, I like that motivation. Yep. <laughs> Uh, AIW debut event for 2022 uh, at the Winchester. And I know I saw some folks saying that this is like almost like the ECW Jim Thorpe shows where you get like all these random like off the wall matchups and stuff. And uh, those are the sort of things that I like. Uh, The Von Englands are very much on the come up. Uh, They can certainly be the spoilers against uh, 
our bulking season crew. And the main event is uh, De- Derek Director taking on uh, Max Caster. Come on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice. And just I want to I'd be remiss if I didn't throw this out there. Bulking season on an undefeated streak right now. Right. You know, well, I believe they're one and oh over the last match. You know, keep that going. That's right. Keep that momentum going here in 2022. Huh? Yep. All right. Uh, next caller. Hey, Joe and Adam. This is the boar from wrestling, I guess. Uh, just calling to uh, leave my two cents, as I was pretty sick last week. I was unable to uh, call in about the odds and uh, or the likes and dislikes uh, for at odds with wrestling. Uh, I wanted to selfishly say that I hope you continue to do at least one like and one dislike per week with no ceiling on how many you can bring to the table. Uh, especially Joe, we share a lot of friends. Uh, so whenever our friends do something nice, it usually ends up in your likes, and I enjoy sharing that with you. Uh, and the dislikes, uh, we often line up as well. So that's the first order of business. Second order of business, it is a brand new year. Happy new year to you gentlemen. Uh, but with the new year, that means only one thing, and that is list season. All over wrestling Twitter, independent wrestlers are making their lists of people they want to work with, even though it's the same exact style that they wrestle with, uh, <laughs> or people that are way out of the budget constraints of a normal independent wrestling show. But uh, being that this is still the year of financial responsibility, mm-hmm. uh, are there any weekly purchases on your yearly w- uh, list that you hope to make? So is there anything in the year of 2022 that you two hope or look to purchase this year? Thank you. Love the show. Love you guys. Yada, yada, yada. Bye, boys. Thank you for calling in, Boar. Uh, you know, again, obviously, you get the uh, saltier side of my uh, remarks. Where were all these people that liked likes and dislikes calling in last week, you know? Well, I, I feel like one thing that the Boar said was that he wanted what we did this week. Like, he said, I want at least a like from each of you or something to that effect with no ceiling on it. And, you know, we both came to the table with two things to talk about, you know? So I feel like it's just, you take the chains off of saying, come to the table with two likes and two dislikes and just talk about what you want to talk about. And I think that that, that kind of solved it a little bit, you know? So I think the, he was asking for what we actually gave this week. I could stand corrected, you know, let us know Boar, if I'm wrong. But. Right. And do we have any dream weekly purchases this week, this uh, year? So I think he's saying like, hey, like what's on your bucket list of like what something you'd love to buy this this year? I, I think that first and foremost, this is not a secret, but I, those wedding brawlers, you know, that's something that I've been. <laughs> I don't know if I've been very subtle about this, but I've been trying to get those at a reasonable price, and. Uh, you know, I, as I sit here and refresh Matt Cardona merch right now, they're still not available, but they're maybe next week. Um, but yeah, that is something. But I feel like, and I've said this a lot, that the things that I want, I either already have, you know, because most things that are reasonably priced, I just go and buy them, or they're astronomically out of my price range. And then, you know, it is the year of financial responsibility. So I don't know if I'm going to get them. So. I don't have anything that jumps out right now other than the wedding brawlers. Um, you know, we talked about it a week or two ago. I think whenever uh, the AEW set with uh, Brody Lee comes out, the chase, mm. if it's not like a crazy amount of money, I'd like to buy that. Yeah. Um, 
you know, there's like no original art that I'm thinking of out there that I really need to have. Um, I do, you know, we talked about it months ago here, either I think on the show or off the show that I definitely need a new monitor for my computer. Um, but I've just been putting that off because it's not a necessity. It's just a thing. It's like, eh, I could get a new monitor, but it feels like it'd be a lot more work than it really is worth, uh, to get a new monitor, but a new monitor for my computer. How about that? Yeah. And I'm just kind of thinking about like figures that I've been clocking for a while, like my, my eBay watch list or like save listing. There's so many things in there, you know, (laughs) that I'm just like. Either they never pop up, or when they do, they're in terrible shape, or they're just astronomically overpriced based on comps. So, like a lot of things don't come up a lot. Um, you know, there's a, there's a couple like old Ed, Edgehead era Broski and Hawkins figures that I still want that just never show up on eBay. You know, it's kind of similar to that Treacherous Trios three pack that I got a couple months ago. You know, there's one of them that came shortly thereafter. But I have my minions out looking for it, you know, and we'll see one of these days. All right. Next caller. Hey, guys. It's David K, a.k.a. Old Wiki. Um, and I was just wondering, I just finished watching the uh, Lucha de Apuestos match from Pizza Party Wrestling that featured Boomer Hatfield uh, versus Avery Good with mm, – Boomer's mask on the line and Avery, and technically it was the outfielders versus Avery and Big Dan. But it was, you know, the, the big thing was either Boomer lost his mask or Avery had to put on, put his back on and go back to being Dasher Hatfield. Really great match. Just uh, some amazing drama. I was wondering if either of you have a favorite Lucha de Apuestas match. Not something that I think has really ever been talked about. Um, so I'm curious. Uh, if you do, that'd be great. Let us know. Thanks. Talk to you guys later. Bye. This is a rib, right? Like I'm gonna know. <laughs> I'm gonna have a response <laughs> to that. Well, again, a mask versus mask, or a mask versus hair, or a hair versus hair mask that you can think of. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, you know when Grayson Waller got his head shaved <laughs> on NXT Two Point Glow recently. It wasn't Grayson Waller. It was oh, Duke well, Hudson. God damn it! Oh, aren't they interchangeable? <laughs> All right, my bad. Uh, Joe, do you want to answer Kevin Kincannon's question? <laughs> David can. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I needed to make a note for myself not to correct you when you call people Kevin. Um, <laughs> so, again, not so. Like, there's there was ones in, like, the 90s, early 2000s. There was a Smoky Mountain one with, like, the Rock and Roll Express versus Brian Lee and Chris Candido. Uh, there's the Edge versus Kurt Angle one from King of the Ring 2002, I think it was. Uh, but it's not so much the matches themselves, but it's how the heel, after getting their head shaved, like dealt with the head shaving, you know? Yeah. Uh, that were a lot of fun. But I can't remember the date, but it was definitely an anniversario, uh, like what year it was. But it was um, Chuck Taylor and Icarus versus uh, Fire Ant and Soldier Ant. Uh, Mask versus hair. It was at the ECW arena. And like these guys killed each other in this match, man. Like I you're talking to someone who at that time was maybe calling Chikara matches for like three or four years, somebody who had been a wrestling fan however long it was. But these guys went like fucking nuts, man, for like it was the ECW arena, it was big stakes, and they're just like, fuck it, we're gonna kill each other. And they did, and the match is really good. Um but yeah, that one, that's the one, if we're going to talk about, uh, you know, specifically, like, say, on the indies, where it's, like, the match 
is the thing, not so much like the angle before or after it. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen that one, go check that one out. Again, I forget which fucking year it was, but it was a May Chikar show at the ECW Arena. It was Icarus and Chuck Taylor against Fire Ant Soldier Ant. So check that one out. Yeah, and also just I would be remiss if I didn't say that Boomer, a.k.a. Weber Hatfield, uh, uh, got cursed with a little bit of the handsome, didn't he? So I think he'll be just okay <laughs> being, being maskless now going forward. You know? I'm going to throw this out there. Uh, you know how everyone's like, oh, all these uh, masked wrestlers, they're all secretly handsome. And, uh, and then uh, Ethan Wright, former guest on uh, Hit My Music, had said that of those like people that are left in Chikar, there's secretly one who's still masked, who's really ugly. And if you send me money, I'll tell you which one it is. Um, I think somebody on the indies should have a gimmick. Now, obviously, indies, TV, whatever it is, uh, they have a gimmick. Say they're a masked person, let's say. They don't have to be, but let's say they are. Um, they go around and start challenging people to... Uh, mask versus mask matches or like a Lucha de Apuesta matches. And the person is like, oh, well, obviously like your mask versus my hair. No, no. Uh, if I lose, I'll take my mask off. But if I win, which I will, you have to start wrestling in a match because you're so fucking ugly. I'm sick and tired of looking at you. <laughs> and like, then like you build it up and like, oh, uh, you do it to like uh, whatever. You do it to like a whatever. And then you do it to someone who's like, it works if like the like the first couple are people that are like not super ugly but not like hot. They're just like normal looking people, mm -hmm. and then you get one where it's like somebody who's like super hot and they lose the match and there's heat on that. And then maybe you get someone who's actually really ugly, and then the the heel is saying these sort of things, but they have to be like a sympathetic baby face who's not very very handsome, which there are people out there that are like that. And then of course like the build up to it is is that the guy ends up getting his mask taken off and he's like super fucking hideous, right? <laughs> um, I'm workshopping this one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the the ugliest person on the planet judging people for being too ugly. It's that yeah, kind of, yeah. the layers on that. All yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, next call. Hey, guys, it's uh, Tom Green. I'm out pooping this week. I'm peeing. Um... So I have a, I have a New Year's resolution. I wanted to throw it out to you too. It's it's been a hard, long time in the making. Um, I've decided that I don't have a punchline to this bit. <laughs> so that's my new New Year's resolution: is to actually think of stuff before I call you guys. Um, I don't know. I just wanted to hear my voice this week, so um, nobody did anything stupid, to the best of my knowledge, <laughs> on 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 Twitter that I can make fun of. Um, shit. Uh, bye, guys. It's okay, Tom. I don't think about the podcast before I do it either. So, <laughs> Tom now holds the distinction of being the second person ever to pee live on air on the show. Oh, I was thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, but Tom, there has been a ton of stuff. You're just being too nice. Yeah. <laughs> we should get Tom and that other person some uh, some matching Team USA basketball gear. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, pink button time. Are you ready oh! for you? 
Are you ready for Mr. I'm not on social media, Ed Cody of Pod Van Dam? Yeah, you know what? If he wasn't on Wrestling Cheers already this week, I would say this is a huge get because he's not on Twitter, you know? Well, I'll say this. They do record uh, well in advance, but it was definitely into the new year. So, All right. So this is quite possible before you play it, like the most recent and up-to-date Ed Cody like footage around. Well, nice. spoilers, there's two calls, so yes. Huh? Oh, nice. Hey, it's Ed from Pod Van Dam. I'm at work right now, but much like Phoenix's uh, arm, I took a break to come out and uh, call you guys. And I don't remember if there's anything to call about, but uh, I'm just going to give you an update because uh, I'm, I'm on vacation from podcasting and uh, wrestling. And I just want to let you guys know uh, what I've been getting into. Um, I'm reading books. I'm almost done with Peril. Uh, which is about, like, Trump and Biden, and it's been okay. Um, I've gotten uh, big into K-pop this week. It's, uh, it's shitty. It's so shitty and stupid, and uh, I really love it. It's fucking bad. Uh, big into Twice and Tri-B, so check those out, Adam. Uh, yeah, I just figured I'd call and let you guys know. Uh now my own show, because I have to have something to talk to them about when I get back, you know. Uh, and I know they won't hear this, so it's <laughs> pretty safe. Um, so, yeah, check out Poppy and Dan this week. Thrift Store Jobber is taking my place for the month. And I think he's going to I think he's gonna talk about that that fucking terrible Stephen Amell show. I think he's really excited to talk about it, so check that out. Little Pluxky. Uh Excited to see where you guys land with likes and dis- dislikes. Um, if you keep doing them or not, I don't. I don't really. You know, either way, it's your show. You you do what you want. <laughs> and uh, I guess I'll, I'll I'll talk to you guys next week and let you let you know how this next week goes. If I uh, what, what what I get into. Okay, bye. Ed, not on social media and reading books. What the hell world is this? I know, and I I think I might have heard him say that on Pod Van Dam they're going to be talking about heels like the Stephen Amell show that's what it sounds like oh geez see I was gonna skip all the Ed Cody list episodes but I might tune in now <laughs> well you should listen to as many Ed Cody list episodes of uh Pod Van Dam as uh Pat and Jonah combined to listen to of this show so <laughs> I think Pat's listened to all episode I think Pat's listened to an episode yeah yeah uh, all right, but Ed does call back, and uh, he has very he has something very exciting to talk about. I know that. <laughs> hey, it's Ed again. Um, I'm calling back because I can't believe I forgot this. I'm not on Twitter this month, and all of this happened this week. Uh, Okada's the champ again. Uh, New Japan's back on access. The Cruiserweight title's just fucking gone. Thanks, <laughs> Malcolm. Uh, and then, most importantly, Gabe is back. Gabe's back, everybody. Gabe's fucking back. I'm so excited. He's going to save Ring of Honor. He's going to come back. Tim William Regal and Ryan Katz and Naylor. And they're going to save Ring of Honor. Faction fucking warfare. I'm so excited. Oh, my God. The Indies are going to be amazing again. Gabe's back. Oh, this is going to be great. I know everybody's pumped with me, right? This is going to be amazing. Dumb Jock Wrestling coming back. Give... Give Gabe the book. Davey Richards World Champ. Let's do this. Ring of Honor's back, baby. Come on. Start the hashtag, Joe. 
for them to hire James <laughs> and let James save Ring of Honor. He's the only man that can do it. This is all on Gabe's shoulders now. God bless you, Gabe. <laughs> yeah, so we mentioned in some of the releases, uh, Gabe Sapolsky, formerly of uh, selling programs outside of the ECW arena at ECW shows, formerly of Ring of Honor, formerly of Dragon Gate USA, formerly of Evolve, and now formerly of uh, NXT. Um, I think, uh, so, Adam, close your eyes for a second, right? All right. I want you to imagine at your job, if they let go a bunch of people, right? All right. I'm with you Rema- so far. And the remaining people at your job are all like, oh, my God, Adam was so great to work with. I loved working with. And you're one of them. You're one of the people that get let go, right? Okay. And everyone's like, oh, Adam was so great. I loved working with Adam. He's going to be missed. He taught me so much. It was so much fun. And Bill, he also got let go. And everyone says the same stuff about him. And, and Judy, she got let go too. And everyone's saying all this great stuff about her. And then there's a guy that works there that says his name's Gabe and he gets let go. <laughs> and nobody says shit about him. <laughs> How would you feel if you were that guy? Uh, I think it's it's pretty much deserved. So he needs to feel what he needs to feel. But uh, no, that's hilarious. My so the only way that I could dream that any promotion, uh, other than Beyond, uh, has Gabe come and book for them is that it's um, either the shitty Battleground Pro show that Feinstein books that we're supposed to act like, like Feinstein doesn't book. I could see Gabe going there, like and shadow booking them. Uh, but I would love to see a Ring of Honor that was co-booked by Gabe and Ray Deadly of the Deadly Brothers. <laughs> um, but in all honesty, Gabe is done with wrestling. I'm sure he's not going to book anywhere. He's going to um, have a few uh, seminar opportunities, let's say. Uh, where he's going to grift a bunch of people out of some money to do some seminars. And then once baseball season starts, you won't hear much from him. <laughs> That's fine. I forgot already about him. <laughs> right. There you go. I'm glad Ed's happy, though. That's the most. Yeah. You know what? It was, it was good hearing from Ed. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. You know what, Ed? Call back like multiple times every week so that uh, if anybody wants their Ed Cody fix, they need to come here. Uh, so I think that's all we got there. Um, I guess plug time, of course, uh, Jerry's internet wrestling emporium, AKA IWTV, AKA, in, AKA independent wrestling.tv. Um, use our promo code at odds. You don't get anything free, but if you're a new subscriber, it lets Jerry know that you came to him from us. I was just texting with Jerry today about what the best apps to use. Uh, to translate what your cat's meows say. So that's what, <laughs> that's what Jerry and I were texting about today. Um, <laughs> but I will say, uh, notable, uh, this Tuesday on IWTV is the premiere of the latest Flying V Fights Back event. Uh, looks like it was taped a couple months ago. Uh, looks like a pretty stacked card. Uh, main event is world famous CB against friend of the show, caller of this week, the boar. 
Yeah, you know what? I was just looking for this show the last time I fired up Jerry's Independent Wrestling Emporium, whatever, a couple days ago for homework when we were watching the Chikara thing. I was like, you know what? This has got to be out by now. So I went and I looked for it and I couldn't find it. And I guess Tuesday. Yep. So uh, spoilers, everyone. This is what I'll be assigning for homework next week. Oh, all right. Then I'm just not going to go and. I was going to watch the main event on my own accord, but I'll save it for homework. Yep, we'll watch the whole show. And like I said, it looks like a pretty stacked show. Uh, hashtag not my Kevin. But uh, <laughs> I'll be uh, looking forward to watching this one. Uh, you could also help us out by making uh, purchases through our Amazon affiliate link, which is in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. Uh, it does not cost you anything extra, but it does take a few shekels out of Jeff Bezos's pockets and divvies them up to Adam and myself on like a two-month rolling schedule. Um, they call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Uh, this week's purchase was this thing called Hinspice, HN Spice, uh, AirPods Pro Case, and it looks like, you know, the Mandalorian and Groku. Grogu, is that the baby Yoda's name? Grogu, yes, sir. Yeah, his mama named him Baby Yoda. I'm going to call him Baby Yoda, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, T Public Store, the sale is next week, so we'll remind you then. And uh, I would be remiss, uh, and a uh, corrections and errors, not from this show, but a corrections and errors from Longbox Heroes this past week. Uh, with the pigskin pickums, Adam. Oh. Uh, this is the last week of regular season professional football. And on Longbox Heroes, I mistakenly said that of the people on the soon-to-be-named network, Todd, my co-host there, was the highest-placed person. But in actuality, it is Adam as the highest-placed person uh, of the soon-to-be-named network-type folks. Oh, you, you honor me, Joe, by doing that correction. I appreciate that. And yes, I am in fourth place, and that lowly, dirty Todd is in sixth place. So, uh... I, I do not appreciate the fact that Todd uh, implied that he was at the top of the, you know, sh- hosts from the network. So uh, that would be me. Uh, notable other people. Uh, this uh, King Marcus guy is in seventh. And uh, you are still on the first page at 28. Yeah, 28 out of 48. I'd say that's still pretty good, right? It's, you know, pretty solid. There's, there's you know, you're in the top half almost. Mm-hmm. Top 60%. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to hear more football talk, listen to uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark when that comes out, like, almost right alongside this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Friday. Yeah, unless you listen to it in the correct listening order, at which point it came out many days ago. Correct. All right. But, Joe, speaking of things that came out many days ago, if you're talking about their older episodes, there's some podcasts you should go listen to. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Go ahead. That you do, but some of those podcasts are Longbox Heroes, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Hit My Music, Wrestling Cheers, Between the Sheets, Viewer's Choice, IWTV Guide, Hellions Talks, Pod Van Dam, The A Show, and Final Wrestling Place. I threw it on there just because I wanted to say I missed Final Wrestling Place this week. They're on a hiatus, and it's it's already noticeable in my heart. I I have it on uh, good authority that on the schedule it's going to be replaced by a uh, 
podcast ranking the best and worst uh, NFL football albums. <laughs> well, I'll believe that when I see it. But, uh, you know, it would be nice to hear Marcus talk on there. But I, I also missed him. So, well, hopefully one of these days soon we'll have Tim back uh, back on the air. Hopefully so. Hopefully uh, everything's going well, you know? Yep, absolutely. I think that's and, it for the main show. Oh, and hey, I uh, downloaded the uh, It's Always Sunny podcast. Okay. Because I finally finished this season, and I thought to myself, I'm like, well, the podcast is probably going to be like kind of ancillary to the current season. And then when I went, I looked, I'm like, oh, no, they're just talking about random episodes, like from the history of the show. I'm like, oh, shit, I could have been listening to this the whole time. Yeah, yeah, I, I discovered that late. Like, I think they were had like maybe six episodes out by the time I found out about it. And I, I listened to all six episodes in a row, so I'm completely caught up. It's... It's a very easily snackable podcast. Yeah, yeah. Each episode's like right around 30 minutes. So if you're a fan of those guys and what they do, definitely check that podcast out. Yeah. And I, I don't get – they're not running any ads. Like I get it. You know, we're, they're not quite as you know established as we are. So we have all the, you know, the, <laughs> the plugs and all that kind of stuff. But like you have these guys that are – it's like one of the most popular podcasts since it launched and there's no – ad reads there's no like inset ads or it's just like hey here's a podcast and we're not going to monetize it so kudos to them i guess yep it just goes to show the strength of those guys and like their reach and everything like that you know yeah all right anything else i think that's it for the main show right that's it for me well adam you got a phone call some might cost a little some might cost a lot, but I'm the $100 Vansky, and your figures will be bought. <laughs> hey, so, uh, you know, since we last recorded, there was at least one day that was still in 2021. So did you get all your purchases in there since now 2022 <laughs> is the year of financial responsibility? You know what? Funny you should mention that because, like, I did a lot of wheeling and dealing as far as selling and buying on the flea market last Thursday. So uh, I did purchase a couple things uh in 2021 that do not count against the year of financial responsibility. But I, I had a relatively big week, Joe. What about, like, I have a couple things. I'll, I'll do uh, one or two, and then I'll throw it over to you in case you have something. Uh, but, let's say I got, th let's say, three things in total, four things in total, but they're all related to each other. Okay. Well, then we'll figure it out when we do it. But uh, first things first. Just kind of not wrestling related, but I want to throw it out because it has a little bit of crossover to the people that, you know, listen to this. I purchased the Walmart's exclusive Ninja Turtles classic reissues that are made to look like the Turtles from like 92 or whatever it was that the Turtles came out. Okay. Uh, I uh, saw them all in one spot at Walmart and like they had just freshly put out like a case of them. And I was like, oh, I'm going to grab the Michelangelo because that was my guy when I was a kid. But, like, they were 13 bucks each. So I was like, ah, fuck it. They're all here. I'm going to buy all four of them. So I bought uh, all four of the reissued uh, Playmates-style turtles. Those are cool. 
Yeah, were you a Turtles guy when you were a kid, Joe? I know no, you're a little I was a little. I, so I was a little too old for the Turtles when they came out, at least for the toys. Mm. Uh, but my brother was age appropriate, so I ended up getting a lot of the toys through that. Okay. Uh, but again, I say age appropriate. Um, <laughs> As opposed to us now. <laughs> I well, I definitely did use his turtles in my side uh, fig fed, which was not the GI Joe three and a quarter inch, but it was all like your turtles, He Man, Dick Tracy, like the figures that were like of that um, scale. Okay, now here's a question then regarding that fig fed because I had GI Joes. Like they, uh, like I had a GI Joe exclusive fig fed, right? Because they, they articulated well, but they never wrestled the Hasbro's. Correct. So I never had any kind of crossover fig fed. When you had the turtles in your fed, were they luchadors? Where they were humans underneath the mask, or were they actually turtles wrestling? No, they mind? were. Uh, uh, they were exactly who they were. Okay, so you legit had like six foot tall turtles wrestling in your right your- it was the ninja turtles from the tv show taking on he-man from the he-man show taking on dick tracy from the dick tracy movies <laughs> okay fair enough that makes sense um and i'll just do one more thing before i throw it over to you for something uh up for pre-order this week was ultimate series 12 consisting of inexplicably yet another fiend ultimate as well as the, the the ultimate that everybody's been waiting for, and that is one of young Alexa Bliss, and uh, I pre-ordered a pair of those. Shout out to, like, the 15 people that DM'd me saying that, that Alexa was up for pre-order. I appreciate it. But uh, I, I obviously, I want the Alexa. No, I did not order seven of them. Uh, I just ordered one. And uh, I had to buy the Fiend because uh, as my investor, or my financial investment advisor, told me ultimates are great investment so huh <laughs> and you said you got two alexas huh no i said i just got one. Oh, i thought you said you got two my no, no 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 i just said i just got one but like i've been accused of buying multiples but i did not okay uh <laughs> so let's get into me all right so um uh, I decided I'm going to bite the, I was, so this is a, a tale, right? All right. So over the weekend, I decided I'm going to bite the bullet and I'm going to do the pre-order on the Bib Fortuna Black series, right? Okay. We talked a couple of weeks ago, um, how they're on eBay and some people are pre, like some people who are selling them on eBay are selling a pre-order of them on eBay. And then there are other people who are selling them claiming that they have them in hand, but they seem to be mostly like in Australia and they're selling them for like double the price. You said, calm down, relax. The price is going to come down. Don't get it now at that ridiculous price. Right. Yeah. But I'm like, well, let me pre-order it from a reputable site, you know, um, so I did the pre-order from a reputable site, and the pre-order said, like, we'll ship May 31st, which is the same time that the, um, what's the series that looks like the old Kenner series ones that I did the pre-order from a couple weeks ago? Vintage series? Vintage series. Okay. So I do my pre-order. I'm like, ah, I got a pre-order. I feel good. Monday, friend of the show, uh, DJ... Uh, sends me a message that the Bib Fortuna Black series is up not for pre-order, but for immediate shipping off of Hasbro's site itself. Okay. 
So I check to see if the price in cart ready to ship is the same as the pre-order. It was, and it was actually quicker shipping from the Hasbro thing than whatever it was when it was going to pre-order from the other side at the end of May. I ordered it on Monday. I got my shipping confirmation on Tuesday, and it's going to be here Friday. No, oh, nice. So that'll in hand. How many Bib Fortunas is that going to make? Two? Two. Okay. That's a two, start. Two of five. Uh, so go ahead. No, but I mean, and realistically, you have the hardest one already taken care of, which is the vintage one. Correct. Know? So it's you're just kind of filling in the other ones as they come along, you know? Correct. All right. I like it. I like it. Um, all right. I have a couple other things. You have other stuff as well, or is that it? Uh, I got two more, but go ahead. Okay, I'll do one real quick one. So I purchased in the flea market, um, and I don't know why. I wasn't looking for this, but uh, I just decided it was it was a cheap enough thing, and it was in good enough condition, and I was just like, you know what? F it. I bought the first time in the line two-pack battle pack of the Iconics, Peyton Royce and, and uh, Billy Kay. All and, right. Uh, I found out as I was thinking about, like, I saw this list and I was like, oh, that seems pretty cheap. And I looked up eBay listings and it was relatively cheap compared to what they go for on eBay. And each of those two people, uh, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, they literally only have two figures in their entire WWE run. They had el elites that were sold separately and they have that one battle pack. And I already have the Billy Kay elite and uh, now I have the... Uh, the basically what's the basic, but I have both of their figures now. So uh, I was pumped about that. And uh, uh, but, but what I was just trying to pull it up on my phone, that led me to kind of thinking that I don't have a Billy Kay card in my collection. So uh, I bought on eBay this week. I believe it's from 2016. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, 2016 tops autograph limited to 190. I'm sorry, limited to 99 copies, an autographed rookie card of Billy Kay. And that was like super cheap. And I'll send over pictures so you can admire both of those. But uh, I'm shocked that in their run, they only had two. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, one elite each and that one double pack. Huh. So. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What else you got? Well, inspired by uh, me getting the immediate shipping on the Boba Fett Black Series, I decided, well, let's start getting the rest of the collection. So I went and I looked at maybe about a dozen or so pictures with the jeweler's loop on eBay <laughs> uh, of the Power of the Force figure, which a lot of people argue is the most common one to come by. And it's it's relatively cheap. You know, you could find a decent one for like five to six bucks, right? Mm. Um, and it was a thing where like, we got to go with a good seller. We got to go with, you know, a decent price. Uh, we got to go with one at least that looks good in the picture, right? Sure. Um, and a lot of them were putting up some ones that were some pretty shitty pictures, right? Yeah. Um, but the fact that it's like an older figure, the, the, the Darth Vader is on there, like in that blue black, if there is any deterioration or wear and tear or whatever it is, you're really going to be able to tell, uh, from the picture is going to be really no way to hide that sort of thing. Uh, so like I said, I did that. Uh, I, I ordered the, the black series one on a Monday. I got the shipping confirmation on Tuesday. So I'm like, well, that one's definitely on its way. Let's start the collection. 
Uh, I ordered the the Power of the Force one on Tuesday, and that one's going to be here by Monday. Okay. So now, now I'll have three of five. <laughs> I was going to say, like, the thing with those Power of the Force, and this is obviously not a seeker, but you can go to any toy store and just find hundreds of those Power of the Force figures. So, like, I was going to say, don't settle. Like, I, I'm sure the one you ordered looks good, but, you know, like, if you didn't find the right one, there, it's not like you won't find it at a toy store the next time you you stumble across one, you know? Right, and and that's the thing is, of course, um, I don't see myself getting out there all that much anytime soon. Yeah. And my luck is I would go to a toy store and they would have the entire run of the Power of the Force figures except for Bib Fortuna. Like, that would be my luck. <laughs> well, and also, you could always, whenever you get your copy, if it's like a 9 out of 10, you know, it doesn't pass the, the jeweler's loop test, it, it could be a placeholder for you until you upgrade. Exactly. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Are you aware that the vast majority of those Power of the Force figures had multiple card variations? Okay, so... I did so okay, and this is another thing as well, in that there were certain figures uh, that came with like you know because everyone's got to be packaged with something, okay. Mm-hmm. And I was, and again, I mentioned my brother before, but through my brother, I was aware of the power of the force figures, very much aware of the power of the force figures. And if there was a figure that came with a lightsaber. Um, there would be, there was like a running change with the lightsaber where they would go from, um, a normal size lightsaber to one that was a little bit longer, right? Yep. There was long saber in a long package. Right. And then they changed it midway through. And so there was some short sabers in long packaging and then short sabers in short packaging. So there was a, I, that was my wheelhouse, man. Like I knew a lot about power of the force stuff back in the day, but go ahead. Okay. So then there was also people that would come with blasters. And then you would have, like, a short-barreled blaster, a long-barreled blaster, versus, like, short-barrel blaster in the long-barrel packaging. And by long-barrel, it's just, like, you know, the the lightsaber packaging, right? Yeah. And then you would get, on the backs of the cards, depending on which release it was, you would get different assortments of figures on the backs of the cards. Mm Mm-hmm. So I look when I was looking at the card, like when I was looking at the figures, I was okay. I was only looking at ones that included a picture of the back of the figure. Um, I was looking at the ones that had the best looking package. Of course, I was looking at the ones where in the picture, at least the gun didn't look to be like loose and flopping around. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I get you. I went, I looked up the original release schedule of the Power of the Force figures, <laughs> and I bought the one that had whatever was that original Boba Fett release, like, wave on the back. Not yeah. the one that had, like, several, fi- like, tons of figures. It was only, like, five or six figures were in that particular wave, so I made sure I picked a box that had just that particular wave on the back. Yeah, I'm actually looking at them on eBay right now, and it looks like, because uh, what happened was there was orange cards, and then they were replaced with green cards. Right, and, and there is like, no Bib Fortuna, Fortuna orange card. Yeah, I, I recognize that. And there originally, the first run of uh, green cards had a legit picture on the left side, and then that was covered up with a hologram sticker. Um. 
but like it looks like the Fortuna was never sold without the sticker. And fun fact, you can peel the sticker off and mm-hmm. it will show you underneath the sticker is the actual photograph. So some people will peel the sticker off very meticulously and say, oh, it's the variant without the sticker. Look at how it has the, you know, it has the picture printed on the card, but they're all like that. So, um, but yeah, I actually take it back. It looks like short of any assortment number variations, there is only one carding version for the power of the force. For that particular figure, yes. Yep. yep. Front so carding. Front carding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like again, I'd I'd be shocked if there's even more that was there more than two different versions of the assortments on the back? There was two, and I wanted the one yeah. that had the, the less small, figures. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the least figures is the older one. Yeah. Okay, cool. At least it wasn't like a Boba Fett scenario where there's like thirty different ones of yeah. the same figure. All right, cool. Do you have any other Bib Fortuna or Star Wars purchases? Because I have a couple other things. I got one last one that's related to both of those, and I'm sure you could guess what it is. <laughs> Another one? Let's see. Vintage series you got. You got the Black series. Uh, is, is it the Retro series? I don't know. What, what are we missing? No. Um, of course, because I am going to be a mint-on-card collector, and I'm going to be putting these on my wall, I had to get Fig Defenders for them. Oh, okay. Okay. So uh, I had to go through a couple different sites to find one that was selling both size fig defenders that I need. And uh, sh- and uh, obviously, Adam, as I'm now a little bit more dipping my toe into the world of being a toy boy, mm-hmm. I'm shocked on how many companies there are out there that sell these. Yeah, because like one company will have just the black series. Another one will have just the the old school Kenner style ones. Another one will have them, but like they're crazy priced or another one will have them both and they're out of stock or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I did find a company figureshield.com, Cheap plug for them. They did have both in stock at a reasonable price. So I ordered both of those and they should be here Tuesday as well. Are they plastic or acrylic or like a soft plastic, like the ringside defenders or what? Uh, they're like the ringside defenders. Okay. All right. I'm curious to see what the, what they look like on the figure. Cause I mentioned before that I am in the market for that, for some of my signed power of the force figures. Right. So you can, you could fall down that rabbit hole very quickly with the number of different sites that sell those sort of things, you know? Yeah. But like, so I wanted to go and get the same one for like uniformity of the one that I have the old Kenner one in, right? Which mm. is uh, mocmasters.com. But the problem was they don't do the black series ones. They only do like retro figure cases. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm sure I could have found out, well, like which of the retro series, like which, like, do they make a case that people use for the black series? And I'm like, fuck it, I'm not. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not selling the two, I'm not going to play games, right? Yeah. And then just lastly, as a follow-up from last week where I said that I'm looking to get, um, you know, from ringside uh, figure defenders for the other figures that I have. And I want to give kudos to uh, Ryan Dickman, formerly Dave Meltzer's Jeans, I think Dickman Comedy on Twitter. Um, He had mentioned that the retro-style fig defender that ringside sells doesn't fit the chal- the first wave of chalas. Mm-hmm. They're like uh, like literally like he said like half a centimeter too small. 
and like he's seen people have gone and like shaved the edge off of the box so it fits. Oh, fuck that. Right. So I'm like, oh my God, thank you very much. I didn't buy the retro ones yet, but I asked in the Toy Boy group if there was, and somebody was nice enough to give me to a link to a site, but the problem is they're sold out. Like They're like, oh, you know, a bunch of people have said like this company's retro, which is different, retro defender, which is different than the ringside one. People have said that it fits the cellos, but they're out of stock. So I just had to go and do a thing on that one where just like notify me when it's back in stock. And then as soon as that one comes back in stock, I'm immediately buying it. Okay, cool. Well, I, I, I was thinking whether I need defenders for my cellos when I get them, but I don't know. We're not, I'm not getting cellos. I'm getting zombie figures. Right. right so that's the thing. One, I'm going to assume since the, the zombie ones are so closely associated with Hawkins and Broski and Hawkins and Broski are so closely aligned with ringside. Um, and I know we just saw the pictures of like the cards, like the original, like the first draft of the cards yeah. for series one. Um, I could absolutely, and they said that they go, oh, well, we got the first draft, but some changes need to be made. I can almost absolutely guarantee that one of those things is to make sure that they fit into a ringside fig defender. <laughs> yeah. It's easier to change the uh, the card of a figure line that's not out than it is to change the, you know, production of all those defenders, you know? Exactly. All right, cool. Joe, I have some other stuff to talk about. But, Go for it. Let's, uh, let's, let's hear how 2022 is going for you. All right, well, one thing was reasonable. One thing we'll say. Uh, but I purchased on New Year's Eve, more like New Year's Eve into New Year's Night, I purchased the major... Uh, podcast book like the collection of all of their merch which, okay right which, which also included an autographed card from matt and brian Ooh. and i don't know if you saw this was 50 bucks for the book card combo and only 150 were up for sale and despite what the podcast boys say it did not sell out in under an hour it took a little over three hours but uh it did sell out and there's a lot of people going crazy in the, the Facebook group being like, yeah, I want the card. I need the card. Or, well, I want a second printing of the book. I can't believe I missed this. Blah, blah, blah. But, Joe, that is why you buy two of something. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that is the opportunity. Um, honestly, like, I only wanted the book. So, like, because uh, I've mentioned many times before that I have already a bunch of autographs from Matt and Brian. I don't need another one. So I have two cards and a book for sale, and I'm thinking 50 bucks a piece for all of them. You know, 50 bucks for each card, 50 bucks for the book. I'll make a little money back, but uh, that was my New Year's Eve purchase. So uh, I don't consider that a 2022 purchase because, you know, I was sitting there at like 11.59 waiting for it to go up. <laughs> all right. And the last so thing have, I got. Oh, those okay. haven't shipped yet, I'm guessing, right? They have not shipped, no. Okay. They're already made. They're just waiting at Connects or wherever they're at. Uh, no discussion on the show this week uh, about uh, the the Bendems going to people um, not in the best shape, huh? No, no mention of that. Yeah, it's almost like uh, they're, they're going to sweep that under the rug, like as if you maybe you're you're $100 Vansky and the only figures you wanted, the Brian and Mark, or sorry, the Brian and, and Matt, you know, came mangled and just to the point where I don't even want to display them and they're just sitting in a box in my toy room. <laughs> you know, but no, no mention of that. 
I almost bought in the flea market last week. Somebody was selling the packaging to all their micro brawlers for like 40 bucks for just the packaging. And I was asking like, hey, can you send me some pictures of like the cards specifically? <laughs> I'm looking for the Matt and Brian. And then somebody went and claimed the whole thing before I got a, a chance to do it. It's almost like there was other people in the group who had shitty conditioning and needed better <laughs> packaging. But uh, uh, well, it is what it is. But yeah, I, I sold the swoggle, as I mentioned last week, sent that off to Summers. And uh, my Matt Bryan and Marky's are literally like hidden in my toy room behind stuff. Like they're just, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, one last thing, Joe. All right. And then we're done. And this was a little bit of a story, but I will be quick because we're running long. I am sure you might know this or might have seen at some point, but WWE does Funko Pops, right? Yeah. And a couple years ago, there was this peg warmer of a Funko Pop. It was a shared New York Comic Con exclusive shared between New York Comic Con and FYE. And it was of a little wrestler called Zack Ryder. Oh, broski. Sure. Yes. yes. So that Funko... Uh, as I mentioned, it was sold at New York Comic Con and sold at FYE, and it sat at FYE for years and years and years, and nobody wanted it. So I bought it kind of towards the beginning of me listening to the podcast, and it was like clearance for like three, four bucks. So it was dirt cheap because nobody wanted this thing. But nowadays, that's like a $30, $40 pop, just because obviously everything with the boys' names on it, you know, there's nostalgia and all that stuff. So it's going up in price. But I already have that. But, Joe, here's the thing. There is another version of that Funko Pop. And it was only sold at the Funko headquarters in Seattle, Washington. Okay. And they only made 500 of these. As opposed to tens of thousands of the other one. But they made 500 of them. And it's been on my Facebook, my eBay watch list for a long, long, long time. And they pop up every once in a while. Buy it now, $1,000. Buy it now, $800. Uh, the Funko app estimates the value between 750 to $800 of this Funko. Jesus so, Christ. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Like I said, there's only 500 of them. So you have your WWE fans, your Funko fans, and then your major pod brain pilled fans all fighting over this very limited amount of Funkos. Uh, so they never, ever go cheap. There was one that popped up on eBay and somebody decided to do the opportunity where they started at a dollar, you know, so you got to watch that. You got to come along for the ride when that happens. Right. You know, you got to see what happens. Because there, I've never seen one listed for less than you know seven hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars, and this one was autographed by Broski, and it was done in Sharpie, so not the greatest signature. I kind of fantasized that if I got that, I'd, I'd give it the hand sanitizer treatment and take the Sharpie off of it, you know, because it's just on the window. But anyways, it's at a dollar, so I'm following it, I'm following it, I'm following it. So within the first twenty four hours, it jumped up to two hundred bucks. And it just stayed there up until the seven days were almost up. It was at 200 bucks. And I was like, fuck, that's a really good price. $200 for this thing. 
And uh, I was like, $200, I can't afford not to buy it if it's $200. So I was watching it, and it was just one of those things where it was down to the last hour. And then all of a sudden, it went up to 400 bucks, Joe. But here's the funny thing. I wasn't out. I was like, I've spent more on less, <laughs> as the great Todd Roker would say. And uh, I just sat there, and I was like, 400 bucks, is, it's not bad. I was like, I can always sell this thing for a lot more. You know, if I if I get this and get second second uh, thoughts about it. But uh, long story short, the auction goes off. I place a bid. I do not win. Now, Joe, I don't know if you've looked and cheated yet, but do you want to take a guess at what my max bid was and what the final bid was? I'm going to say 650 was the final uh, price on it. Okay, and what do you think I bid? 500. All right, so I, because it was the year of financial responsibility and I did want to be conservative, I bid $475. Okay, all right. And it sold for 498 Because oh. <laughs> originally when it was 200 I was like, you know what? I'm going to bid $400 and just blow all these people out of the water because I'm the $100 Vansky. I'm going to show them. <laughs> and then it was already at $400. So I was like, well, there goes that fucking plan. Uh, and then I was like, let's not. I legitimately thought to myself, let's not go crazy. So like somehow 475 was my not going crazy price. And then when I, I placed that bid, and it was one of those where it says immediately you've already been outbid. Uh, yeah. So I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> like, it was actually a relief <laughs> because I, I my finger hovered over the place bid for like a solid minute, uh, you know, for, for it seemed like forever. But when I got that you are not the highest bidder, you've been outbid, I was like, this is, thank you. Thank you for freaking saving me on this. But uh, I, I came close and I figured that would be worth telling the story about it. Two bucks, man. No, no, no. I bid 475. And it no, went. but what I'm saying is like in my mind, I'm like, if you're bidding 475, why aren't you bidding 500? But yeah. then if you're not bidding 500, why aren't you bidding 600? So <laughs> the fact that it sold for two bucks under five, I'm like, oh, my heart breaks for you, man. <laughs> it's all right. Like I said, I, we mentioned when the boar called earlier, what's a bucket list item. And this is something that has been on my watch list since I started collecting Funko slash started listening to the major podcast, but it just gets, keeps getting more and more expensive because again, 500 in the grand scheme of things, that's, that's like significantly rarer than an AEW chase, you know? Right. So I'll, I'll probably never own it. I don't know. Maybe Broski will do something. They'll get him like canceled or something and nobody will want his stuff anymore. And everyone will have a big giant Broski fire sale. The old Broski purge. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. If he hasn't got himself canceled by now, it's, yeah, he's probably not. Yeah, he's he's fine. Yeah. All right. But that's all I got, Joe. All right. Well, uh, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Uh, hanging in there. Our tale of purchases and so on and so forth uh again i i can't see myself i'm gonna uh my my uh which call it my my rule to myself is of course there's only two left now uh of the bib fortuna figures i'm gonna do one a month right yeah so by march uh i'll have them um you know still i'm unfamiliar with the other two figures so we'll get there when we get there you know 
Yeah, absolutely. Send me some deets when we're off air and I'll give you my, my best recommendations. Of course, of course. All right, so one more time. End in episode 172 of Ad Odds with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.